It's always a joy to be here at High Street Baptist Church, and uh, I love your pastor. I've uh, loved him all my life, had really no choice, uh, but uh, we, we're, we get along better now than when we were like eight and nine, and, uh, but uh, I've, I've just seen God's hand move here at High Street, and it is an incredible, incredible opportunity to, to share with you today and uh, to, to cast a vision, if I could, for the world that is desperate, desperate in need of the gospel. In recent weeks, we have seen wars break out, um, just terrible things that have occurred and it is all pointing in my, from what I have uh, been studying and the teaching that I have been sitting under to the imminent return of our Savior Jesus Christ. And what that does for me is it just lights a hotter fire in my life to get the gospel to places that have not yet heard. And that's what I would like to talk to you about. And so I would ask you to open your Bibles to Matthew 25, 14 to 29. And we're going to look at an old story, a parable that many of you may be familiar with. But uh, before we begin, you know, uh, coming to High Street Baptist Church carries uh, just a lot of memories. Um, And I'm not sure how many of you are recent attenders, recent members. But the legacy of High Street Baptist Church dates back many, many decades. 73 years ago, High Street Baptist Church was one of the few churches that helped launch a movement, a a small group of men who had a vision to reach the world for Jesus Christ, and it it motivated them to engage in three things, uh, a, a training platform and a training place at just down the road from here, uh, a communications platform, the Baptist Tribune that was launched, and then a launching of missionaries, a movement that has impacted our world in an incredible way. These three platforms have birthed more platforms and more movements out of this global surge. The the ministry that I serve with, based out of Metro Manila, is one of them. Another missionary clearinghouse based in the Philippines is another one, and you will hear from a missionary that was sent out from that. Educational platforms, the Global Life University, and as my brother mentioned, the recent opportunity that God has brought to me here in the United States, Louisiana Baptist University, are all part of this movement of the gospel. And today, we and I specifically stand on your shoulders. And I want to thank you for laying that foundation, for investing in a platform, for risking resources. Millions have heard. Thousands of churches have been planted. And more yet to come. 
High Street specifically has had a missions legacy that is renowned. Uh, I move in circles of missionaries. Missionaries talk about churches. I don't know if you know that, uh, you know. We have little conversations over coffee at Waffle House late at night, and uh, we talk about who are good mission churches and who are good missions pastors. And when I was in college, High Street Baptist Church was known for being a generous missions church. David Cavan was the pastor when I was in college here. And, and missionaries knew that if you were a missionary and you got to David Cavan, you would get support and you could get to the mission field. And that was a good thing. And now, under your, your pastor now, Eddie Lyons, and with the help of uh, Gary Wilson and the missions team, you are again known among missionaries as being an incredible missions heart. Our guest, fellow guest and my friend, Anis Irfan, had a conversation a few years back about churches that believed in the Great Commission, and he listed the first one as High Street Baptist Church. Wow. Your recent World Project conference brought the focus of missions again to your church in an effort to bring global change through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even today, you have a missionary, two of us, that are serving God in other countries because you know that that is the heart of Jesus. This passage, Matthew 25, 14 to 29, is a well-known passage. It's a parable. Jesus tells it. I'd like to read it for you today. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own service and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. And he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Verse 20, so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And verse 24, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at the, my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. 
For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even that he has, what he has will be taken away. Now, most of the messages I've heard on this passage has been about the one servant who buried his talent, and rightly so, a large part of the passage is about that, as this story goes. But two of the three servants did very well. They invested wisely. The majority did well. The majority were honored. And I would like to share with you an opportunity to be one of the two to be in the majority of those who have a heart for God's work, who have a heart for uh, the world, and understand the responsibility and the privilege to be entrusted with resources from God and multiply them and bless the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are some commonalities uh, that, that are here. They all knew the master. They were all trusted by the master. They were given freedom to do anything they wanted with resources. They were all not regularly monitored because the master left and left them to their own uh, uh, plans. They all knew what they were supposed to do. A parallel passage in Luke 19, 13 says that it refers that the master said, do business till I come. By the way, they all had the same economy. They all had the same timing. They all had the same government leaders. They likely had the same training, education, mentoring. They observed likely their master's business ability, and so they were all trusted by the master. Does this sound familiar? Jesus has left us with a similar trust. We may all have different abilities and skills, and, but we have all been given the same trust, the gospel. We all have resources of money and time. We share the same amount of time every day. We share the same amount of days in the week, days in the month, weeks in the year. All of it is the same for us. We all know Jesus is coming back soon, and we all know that we will be asked how we invested our life. Isn't that right? And we all want to hear those words that is mentioned in this passage, the words that say, well done. You've done a great job with what you have been given. What should... I learned from this parable. Let me just give you a few bullet points quickly as we go through this. Number one, it's not the amount, it's the attitude that was noted. They, the two blessed servants, understood that they were a steward, that what they had was not their own. And I know that's counterculture here in the United States because, you know, we, we, we like to have our own stuff. Am I right? In fact, as we drive down the road, we even own the road. This is my lane. How dare you encroach on my lane, you know? Have you ever heard that or said that or thought that? Yes. It's my turn to be in line. What are you doing cutting in line? It's my turn. It's all about us. They understood that they were mere stewards of somebody else's time. 
They not only were stewards, but they, their attitude, they understood that they had to be a good steward. That what they had was entrusted to them and they needed to multiply it. It was their attitude. It was the way they thought about what God had entrusted to them. Proverbs 23, 7 refers to that as, as a man thinks, that is the way he is. It's not the amount. It's not the amount of money that we have. It's the attitude. It's not the finances. It's the focus that was honored by this master. It's not about how much am I holding it's about how much am I giving away. It's not about my ability. These men had different abilities, yet the one who multiplied from five to 10 and from two to four different abilities, yet they were honored the same. They received the well done from our Lord. It is not the investment level, it's the intentional level of being passionate about the gospel. How much intentionality do we live our life today for the gospel? I mean, do we enter places of business and live our lives with the consciousness that the people around us are desperate in need of the gospel? It's also not the risk. Every, all three of these men had the same risk, but only two embraced the responsibility. True faith does not stay within the walls of a church. Rewards are not given based on sitting in church, but based on going, sending, praying, encouraging, and sacrificing. Even the smallest amount of money, the smallest effort, the smallest sacrifice will be honored by God. The master would have simply accepted interest on his money, not a multiplied return. The master was concerned more about the attitude of the servant who was afraid and selfish. The master was watching the focus of the servants. The two that were honored were recognized for their stewarding of the resources and how they handled it, not recognized for the amount that they were given or that they multiplied. I remember years ago, 29 years ago in fact, when I had the opportunity to steward a little bit of my time. I was planting a church in Metro Manila. I remember the first service, 16 people. There was the only men were myself and my two, my two sons, three sons that were with me. In fact, for weeks we didn't have any men come to church. I almost renamed the church Female Baptist Church, you know, uh, wondering if we would ever get any men. Finally, we had some men come, and I remember that we had one man J.R., who became my friend, came. He was unfaithful. He was undiscipled. He was resistant to discipleship. And I remember 
going to him and saying, because he was one of the few men that I had in the church, I said, hey, you know, we do discipleship here. I'd like to disciple you. And he says, I don't have the time. I says, well, surely you have some time. He says, no, I don't have any time. I work all the time. I said, when do you work? He says, I work from 7 till a.m. till 8 o'clock at night, and I have to go to bed, and I'm tired, and, and, and I can't do it. I work seven, six days a week. I have Sunday available, and I come to church, and I need a day off. I don't have the time. I said, well, sure you have the time. You have from 4.30 till 6.30 when you leave for work at least once a week. And he said, you're gonna get up at 4.30 and meet me? And I said, I sure will. And I decided to do that and I asked him for a commitment. Now I made him promise never to stand me up because that's early in the morning, okay. And we went to a all night Wendy's, the worst coffee in Metro Manila that you could ever have. And I remember getting up at 3.30 in the morning, cleaning up, getting in the car, driving the 45 minutes, even at that time of night, across Metro Manila to meet JR. And I felt, I just thought, this is just something I can do, an effort I can do, a sacrifice I could do, just to help one young man get to know God a little better. I had the privilege of baptizing JR. And through the ups and downs, he began to go be faithful to the Lord. I performed his, his wedding, and I walked with him through his marriage till ultimately JR became my ministry partner that I walked for 28 years with. Oh. He just passed away last year. It was tough. We spent time with him in Pakistan many times as he so faithfully served the Lord. But that little investment of time resulted through the ministry of this man, millions of people hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why do I tell you that story? Because all of us have some time. All of us have a few more hours in our day. And yes, we may need to sacrifice some sleep or effort or drink bad coffee for the sake of the gospel. But that time could be spent and invested. Not only the, the time, but our resources is available for us to do that. And I know we live in hard times here in the, in the United States, but I tell you what, I, I travel in countries and and I'm with uh, my friend, Anise, many places, and yet I realize that we have so much here. Can we just believe that? Even the worst economy, there's lines in front of restaurants in the United States. We have the great honor to steward the resources that God has given us. We have launched a new initiative from the Philippines called the Indian Ocean Initiative. We have been 
God has put on our heart an initiative that, uh, that we are wanting to reach the 35 nations that are in and around the Indian Ocean, nations that are in desperate need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have a graphic of, that, of, of those things. 35 nations is our goal, 70 missionaries, two for each nation. We will have evangelism. We will have a church plant. We will have biblical education there. There are countries in this initiative that are seldom, if ever, mentioned in missions events at churches across the United States. Countries like Yemen and Oman, Eritrea, Djibouti, countries who are in conflict like Somalia, countries that maybe you and I, because of our nationality, would not be welcomed, but we can reach them from other nation missionaries, the Philippines, and other nations like that. And so I ask you to join us in this effort as Global Surge embarks on this. We have the gospel. We know the gospel. It is our stewardship to share the gospel. Today, we have a guest, my friend, who I've known for many years and walked the streets of his country. And recently, within weeks ago, less than a month, they held a, a series of evangelistic camps stewarding the gospel, taking it to places that have never heard. And I brought a quick video. Would you like to see a video of what just happened three weeks ago? in one of the 35 nations around the Indian Ocean, you will be blessed. Let's watch the video.